You're now listening to The Electrical Current, a podcast series brought to you by the independent electrical contractors. Welcome to the IEC National Podcast Series, The Electrical Current. I'm your host for the show, IEC National CEO, Spencer Villalot. During this podcast series, we will talk with folks throughout America that help to make the electrical and systems contracting industry truly great. Today, our featured guest is Robert Strescue. Robert is the Vice President of Light Commercial and Construction Programs at Eaton Corporation. Robert has a long history in the electrical industry. He was raised in Germany and now resides in the great state of Texas. Robert represents the Platinum Partner Eaton Corporation at the IEC national level and serves as a trustee for the IEC Foundation, helping the industry continue to grow and prosper. Without further ado, Robert, I'm looking forward to our conversation today and would like to officially welcome you to IEC National's podcast, The Electrical Current. Thank you, Spencer. It's a pleasure to be here, and you've done such a great job with the introduction that uh, I just can let you continue to go on with. Uh, very, very good. We're wrapped up. We're wrapped We're up. Wrapped that, up right? Thank you, Robert, for your time today. <laughs> very nice. No, 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 no. Well, I, yeah, I, I'm just scratching the surface, and, and um, you know, we've known each other for a few years now, and, and you've been yeah, really connected to the IEC um, industry and and uh, in the IEC world and the electrical industry for a long time. Um, and I, I'm curious, yeah, as, as we're getting into this podcast, it's it's uh, helping to tell a little bit more about you know, kind of the insights and, and stories of, of individuals. And and you've got an interesting background. I'm I'm hoping that we might uh, yeah start off there. And if if you could share a little bit about um, yeah where where you grew up and kind of how you've you've uh, led things up to today. Absolutely, yes. It's a pleasure to do so, and uh, uh, thank you for extending the invitation to participate in this podcast. Um, so, yeah, my uh, I do have, a, uh, I'd say, an interesting background I hear from uh, different people in terms of how I got to uh, to Texas and where I, where I am with uh, yeah. accents, especially it's, the it's accent that I have. Thick, you have a thick Texas accent. I can hear exactly. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> I... Um, a little bit about myself. I grew up in a small town east of Munich, Germany, which is in the southern state of Bavaria. Uh, some people may mm-hmm. know. And, um, you know, pretty middle class family. Um, you know, we had uh, um, access to great education, obviously, in Germany, but, um, you know, various backgrounds in the family from, uh, uh, you know, some, some college and some uh, trades, including uh, electrical and roofing, uh, for example. Really? But I, really? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I, I uh, decided to go the academic path, and I was fortunate to, to be able to do that and uh, uh, did my education in Munich uh, and graduated with a degree in economics and uh, uh, in commerce um, to be translated <laughs> uh, that way. And then, um, you know, as faith had it, um, I, um, as I traveled right off the college in Germany, this was mid-'90s, uh, I was mm-hmm. uh, having a trip through uh, Central America, Mexico, Belize, and Guatemala, and it was more a exploratory trip and a language trip to learn the, the language, Spanish <laughs> language better, and see the great pyramid places in the, in those areas. I uh, met my uh, my wife today, uh, Michelle, uh, on a uh, on a small island in the Caribbean. And no kidding! So, no kidding! Yeah. Wow! Wow! A lot of people, some people know, uh, and I'm putting myself out there, but that kind of uh, leads into how I really, you know, ended up being in Texas. Um, we had a relationship on, on distance for uh, almost two years, and uh, at some point we had to make a decision, um, you know, who's going where. 
uh, before we move forward. And uh, so I, I um, uh, you know, hmm. uh, moved to the U.S. Uh, yep. for, a, uh, for work, through a work authorization, working for a German company in the U.S. in Nashville, Tennessee. Huh. Mm-hmm. And um, and then the rest is history. We got married wow. and uh, moved to Texas in uh, 1998. So okay. The wow. great state of Texas in 1998, since 1998, yeah. and fortunate to to be uh, to be here that long. Um, wow. uh, and uh, that's kind of the the way I ended up in Texas. That's, in that's the, fantastic. Huh. Yeah. Um, in the industry, I have. Um, in in '98, I started working here in Texas for two years for for a HVAC manufacturer, mm-hmm. uh, a company called U.S. Industries, and um, this was for two years. Really great experience uh, to to get really entrenched in some of the manufacturing business in, in the U.S. and uh, and also understand the distribution contracting models. And then really, I entered the electrical business in 2000 by uh, starting to work for uh, Rexel Holdings or Rexel at that time which is obviously a, a large, one of the largest electrical distributors in the world in the U.S. Right, right. And, uh, based in, in the U.S. in Dallas, Texas, and had different roles in there from uh, product management to category uh, leadership and managing uh, the, the lighting and controls business for the last five years. So I worked for Excel hmm. for about 10 years mm-hmm. in national roles, um, and really that's where I cut my teeth in, in the industry, in the electrical industry. I was... Right. Uh, Really getting entrenched working with supplier, with the supplier community, uh, managing uh, supplier agreements, manufacturing agreements, and certainly on the on the sales and marketing sides, uh, being out in the field uh, with end customers, with electrical contractors, with our branches, and learning the operations that way. So that was really a great foundation and a great experience at uh, Rexel. Wow! Wow! That's great. That's great. And uh, you know, transitioning then over. Uh, I had a quick stint outside the industry working for an electronics manufacturer. Had a great opportunity in uh, 2010, and then, um, you know, Eaton or Cooper, in, Cooper Industries, I should say, before the acquisition of Cooper, this was in 2000, late 2011, um, you pulled me back into the industry and made me an offer I couldn't refuse. That um, was really probably the best decision I made to come back into the electrical industry at that time. Mm-hmm working for Cooper uh, right yeah. before the Eaton acquisition announcement happened. And then Eaton obviously bought Cooper in 2012. And, um, you know, from there, I, I think it was a fantastic experience. It has been uh, with Eaton, the integration of Cooper, um, the complementary cultures and uh, solutions that both companies had. And, and I was fortunate to be able to uh, have opportunities within Eaton to grow and end up where I am today working yeah. closely uh, in the role that I have, but certainly getting the ex- experience and exposure working with IEC and you and the team. Right. right, right. So so, so you you came over in the acquisition piece, which we could call it the Cherescu acquisition that Cooper Lighting just happened to be a part of it. In the yeah, exactly. With <laughs> uh, interesting, interesting. That's fascinating. And, and there's, there's a lot there. And I want to jump back, too, to um, – your your family and and you and you mentioned um also um that that yeah you you did you chose an academic route and you went down that academic pathway but but grow up you grew up in a in a middle class family and and um had exposure to um you know family members and and other people in the community that were more inclined to the trades including an you know, electrical piece and then you said also um roofing um what you know like was it and I'm curious too around the German model of of um, 
there's more exposure yeah. to vocational trades. That, right. Can you share a little bit about that and your experience and, and your perspective? Um, and, and then also, you know, you have children here in the United States that have, have gone through college or, or gone through, you know, the, the um, school system. I'm, I'm curious if you can kind of compare, contrast, and, and share a little bit about, uh, yeah, things that, that you saw and, and, and have learned. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great question. We talk about this all the time, Spencer, in comparison. I mean, we still go back. Uh, my, most of my family lives in Germany, and my wife's family is in the U.S., obviously, but we, we go back frequently to, to Germany to visit, and and we've seen how the uh, trades have evolved and have changed a little bit in the dynamics there. But um, it's a great uh, story to tell because, again, not to go too far back, but it really started after World War II when Germany was rebuilding with the help of the Allies, and the U.S. is a critical partner there, uh, to build what they call in Germany the dual education system, which is a uh, combination of um, theoretical uh, knowledge uh, teachings and a practical experience, uh, call it internships, call it formal, practical, on-the-job training. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so Germany has evolved, and it's evolved over decades. So this has not happened overnight, obviously. Mm-hmm, sure, this sure. is something that's, hard, that's been hard work, and uh, all the businesses and the chambers of commerce and legislation was working hand-in-hand, similar to what you're doing with your association here. Mm-hmm. Um, and the universities, but it's basically um, the main difference is that in Germany, uh, even today, um, most most people, most students have um, have choices beyond college earlier in their in their career. So they, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they it starts with element with past or post elementary in the kind of middle school and high school area. There's three tiers that that people can break out into based on their kind of projections where they what they're interested in more vocational versus more academics, uh, and they can always cross over into the other tiers if they decide to change their minds, but they have choice in they're being trained and geared towards those those areas earlier on than in the U.S., where it's strictly going to high school, right? And, um, you know, once you're into deciding you want to go this tier in a vocational area, then the, the businesses are... Um, you know, there's a there's a network in place and a process in place that businesses are you know working with the schools to really start bringing in the kids once they graduate and and put them into a formal three to four year apprenticeship program. So again, they're very similar to here, but those programs are basically let's say they're three years old for electric, three years long for electrical or, mm-hmm. or plumbing, but they are uh, you know four days in the first year, four days in a classroom and one day on the job. And then it transitions more and more in the second and third year with three days and two days on a job and then maybe two days in a classroom and three days on a job as you gain more mm-hmm. experience to be able to actually apply that theory into practical experience on the job side. Very and, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, re- really good, uh, um, I think, good practice, good example. I think the U.S., uh, you know, you, you and your uh, associations may look at some of those, uh, yeah. you know, formats, I'm pretty sure. And how you can take the best practices and vice versa. I think there's a lot of good things happening in the industry that you guys are doing that other people can learn from. Right, right. Yeah, that, that's that's true. There's there's pros and cons with everything. Um, and it's what's interesting within the German model though that, that you're describing is is the um, the direct connection of the academic sector with business and yes. and working working to presumably fulfill the needs of where industry's at um, and backing into that and working with the academic sector to ensure that then career preparation is happening. Is that a fair statement? 
I, I think that's a fair statement, Spencer. Yeah. Um, I, I think again, it didn't happen overnight. So when I right, right. Said, and I and I personally, just having had the experience of almost 20 years in the electrical industry, yeah. Uh, I I don't think that we are at a disadvantage here. I think it's just mm -hmm. a different system. You I bet. think because the country is just so much bigger, um, it's always easier to to have standardization mm -hmm. um, and on any form of uh, educational system uh, in in a at the smaller level. So geography, yep. geographically, if you look at Germany, the size of Montana. Uh, with 84 million people living in it. Right, right, right. <laughs> they went very densely populated, but they went to standardize, and it's easy geographically versus trying to standardize all 50 states in the U.S., right? Right, right. In a certain way. So there's some differences, nuances you have to take into account. You can't stay you know, yeah. doing the same ways over there, but you can take best practices, right? And see correct. And you can apply it here. Correct, correct. And I, th I think we've done a good job um, in, in different areas across the country in the IEC network of being able to then connect with um, our secondary schools and, and um, you know, get more exposure to skilled trades. And there's, there's the tenor of apprenticeship has changed in the last few years in, in America. And, and people are, it's starting to become more, much more of a household term. Whereas yeah. I think five, even five years ago, like looking at immediate post-recession, um, and, and historically, apprenticeship had been uh, a term that most people were unfamiliar with, and 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 for at least in in you know modern times, as, as our American culture started to lean heavily into the academic route of college or bust, um, to be able to then create that pathway as as a almost a, a monorail um, to what was uh, considered the American dream, but. Us in the industry, and and then also, yeah, you having you know perspectives in 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 a worldly fashion, realize that there's no monorail, there's no one way, college or bust, or um, that's one route to be able to then achieve your your dream and and uh, you know pave the way for a, a successful and happy life and future. Um, but it but it's I, I want to you know talk about and, and and but again I think we you know we're, we're changing the tenor in the United States and and now is the opportunity and and we're starting to value um, the the traditional vocational pathways as viable career pathways and career opportunities so we're we're at the at the cusp of being able to then reform and change this this college robust mentality which is exciting to to be here um, but I, but I want to ask you a little bit about the value piece of, mm -hmm. of do you think from your experience um, and seeing that the model um, that, that has been playing out for, for many decades in, in Germany um, that they, that there's a, a value structure of, of, you know, general society, if you will, that they say, well, that's just, these are choices, you know, rather than there's been a stigma that's been placed with this college or bus mentality in, in the United States um, for right wrong that 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 that's the way to go to achieve your dream and if you're not on that pathway then it, it seems like it's a an alternative you know you seem there it, it's not explicitly said I don't think but it, it feels like um, yeah that that's if you, you failed you yeah. know what I mean like like there, there's that piece that's there and I'm, I'm curious you know it's, do you sense that the same thing happens of of like the blue collar white collar pathways in a in a refined and and um and and very structured approach like like Germany's had it or or is there more parity of of respect 
if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I think bringing, Spence, you're bringing up a great point on that stigma, as you yeah. call it the way you said it. Um, th there's a difference, uh, what I've seen from experience, right, knowing both sides. Um, there's a difference uh, over there. Um, I still see that my, as an example, my my nephew, so my sister's uh, son, he's now mid-20s, uh, and he's a German electrician, and he's you know, studying for become, to become a master electrician right now in Germany. That's great. Yeah. And, and he's having a blast. He loves it. His dad has that roofing company, and he didn't want to go that side. He went to the uh, – still trades, but the electrical right, side. Right, right, right. And, uh, you know, there there is – I get a lot of feedback from him. I talk to him frequently. He's my godchild to – and he shares information. He actually installs a lot of eating systems in Germany. So it's really interesting, right? <laughs> Terrific. Um, but but there is a stigma that in the U.S. I sense getting more entrenched in this industry over the years that I didn't see over in Germany when it comes to the trades and the college between trades. And, and in fact, and I don't know the true statistics, so I don't want to give false numbers out here, but I think they're probably available online. Mm -hmm. uh, in Germany, the college graduation rate is, uh, in terms of the number of population of eligible students going to college, is is much lower than in the U.S. And because it's <laughs> a much bigger balance between college and the trades, because right. of their pathway that starts earlier. Right, and right. No, and the stigma isn't there to say, well, if you don't go to college, you're, right. well, it's just a secondary rate, rate right. on, on your career path going to the trades. It's right. almost like... Uh, it, it, it's still college is still very important, and yeah. like, not everybody is, is made to be academically successful. Sure, but you, there's a lot of different ways to become successful in your life, absolutely, in your community, in in what you do with your family, and making a great living through the trades, and that's been accepted for years and decades, much differently than in the U.S. I feel. Hmm. I think hmm. the U.S. still fights that stigma to your point of, or if you don't yeah. go to college, the trades are second rate, so you're. You're right. just a, you know, a journeyman doing something, which is not true in my opinion. It's a very honorable uh, way to and great way to make a career and be very successful in, in, the, in the trades. In the absolutely. Ab absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, there, um, that's, I, yeah, I, I, I can appreciate everything that you just said. And, and, and what's, what's interesting is, is on the academic route, too, you just think of a, a standard classroom and a standard building, et cetera. The academic pathway could not be – you you couldn't sit in that building that was you know wired with elect, electrical light overhead. <laughs> Would it not be for a skilled tradesperson? Exactly. Um, and and, and that you couldn't get there on the roads that that got you there for the you know the the folks that are on the uh, the horizontal um, construction side of things and you know et cetera et cetera. So we we need we all need each other to be able to help round out our society to round out our economy and continue to thrive and and um, that's that's where I think it's it's exciting that. We've finally started to wake up to that in this country, and it's it's encouraging to hear um, stories from from um, our friends over in Germany uh, that that have embraced that long ago, and seeing that that it, it creates a more logical approach um, to the rounding out of of where people's natural skills lie, and aligning them on career paths which will make them fulfilled, happy, productive members of our, our culture and society. You know, so yeah. very, very interesting. Very interesting. Huh. Well, let's let's jump into the the, the present time period. And, and so you do. You're really engaged in a lot of things um, at, at Eaton, and I know you travel a lot um, too. Can can you share a little bit about um, 
specifically in your role, um, yeah, what what are what are you doing, and and uh, yeah, and you know, what does a what does a typical week look like, maybe if if there is a typical week? Yeah, that's a that's a great uh, point. If there is a typical week, so um, <laughs> my my current role, as you said earlier, um, there's a few aspects to it. So it's a national role, uh, part of our North American sales organization, uh, on the in the Eaton electrical sector um, in the U.S. And uh, really the way we're organized, I mean, I focus primarily on the non-residential construction piece, uh, specifically on uh, one sub-segment, which is the light commercial piece, which is distributor-served, but touches contractors, obviously, directly and through distribution. And uh, so it's, it's about enhancing um, how we transact business and enabling, uh, with our channel partners, and enabling our channel partners to be more successful, getting our product and solution to the contractors, uh, in in this you know small medium construction space and um, so that's a, that's a kind of probably 30 40 percent of the time uh, mm-hmm. it's a big a big segment for us because we obviously as you know Eaton sells through distribution uh, primarily right. channel it's important for you as the contract and your members you buy from distribution and that's that symbiotic relationship between all three has to be working really well uh, to make it easy to, to execute and conduct business and have access to the solutions that you need to be successful mm-hmm. in, in your members. The other piece is uh, I do have some other sub-segments that uh, I lead as part of the non-resident construction piece, which is healthcare is a big big growth area for mm-hmm. healthcare and higher education in mm-hmm. terms of construction and renovation we have yeah. to focus on. And we uh, I get involved a lot you know, into uh, in, in initiatives that we're behind the scenes that we work with our teams on digitization. We have a, a huge, as you know, change going on in the industry in terms of um, how uh, you know, both the contractor, the distributor, us, the consulting uh, engineering firms are interacting and how they're using tools. So we, right. we have a big emphasis on digitizing our construction process and our construction lifecycle and the tools we have. So they, they seamlessly interact with either contractor or the consulting world uh, and, and be able to design um, more efficiently, right? So I get involved in some of those things behind the scenes that are really exciting, to be honest, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, that, that I learn uh, a lot just by, by talking to different people and experts that we actually collaborate on from outside the industry that, or parallel industries that have had some experience in there. And we try to bring that to you know the industry and move the industry forward uh, because that's where I think the industry is going, and I think you guys are seeing that in the contracting space as well. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of, and there's a smaller piece there that I'm, uh, I'm managing as well. It's it's our renewable and solar segment mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that we have resources and focus areas on, primarily out in the west, but there are some mm-hmm. pockets in the country that are driving the solar uh, and utility space. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Either probably either through having a, a renewable resource available through yeah, sun, wind, etc., um, in spotty areas, or yeah. or some areas in which then have uh, strong incentive programs to be able to then stimulate. Huh. A big portion. A big portion is really uh, is that commercial, like commercial space, and uh, yeah. the travel focus, and and some large contractor focus that we have as well. Yeah, uh, that we're uh, you know as as the contractor world has changed, and even within the IC community, there are larger you know contractors that that start to travel out of state, and yeah. and they have different offices nationally now, and so it creates a different level of complexity that we as a manufacturer have to pay attention to, and how do we how do we manage those challenges because it's different channel alignments that we have to pay attention mm-hmm. to. At the end of the day, we want to help that customer 
you know, be comfortable and, you know, selfishly uh, specify and install Eaton systems. And sure, so, sure. And if we can do that consistently where they're at, I think that's uh, not easy to do, but it is something mm-hmm. that we have to pay attention to. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to I want to you know, kind of get into and lean into the piece you said around the word solution and and yeah. providing contractors with solutions because I think that the, that you guys uh, are doing a lot of unique pieces in which you know if you thought if you thought about Eaton Corporation twenty thirty years ago and and you you picture a manufacturer in which then there were you know very the, the highest quality products. Um, that, that are out there in the market to be able to then implement on, on construction sites. But but now as we're, we have technology and construction has been changing and Eaton has, has taken a, a prime leadership role to be able to then work to provide more solutions than just equipment and, and getting into the digitization piece that you mentioned. I think that, that yeah, that's um, that's a mindset and that's a... a, a um, you know, a, a philosophy that Eaton has taken on to be able to work, to be able to make uh, their customers, your end user, as the contractors, their lives as easy as possible um, in this ever-evolving world that we're in. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I'll just let's take an example um, yeah. in, in that regard. Um, you know, the, the lighting industry has changed significantly. It's, right, it's, right. Your audience will know Eaton obviously bought Cooper, uh, mm-hmm. That included Cooper Industries uh, as a whole, and including Cooper Lighting, which is now Eaton Lighting Solutions. And um, you know, just the controls piece can be confusing for a lot of contractors out there. Yes. We had a, yeah. a great session last week at your uh, at your business summit in Fort Lauderdale, mm-hmm. where one of mm-hmm. our leaders from the control side, Lance Bennett, uh, yeah. was on the panel and addressed the audience a little bit of how they can succeed in this space. I think. I think the ease of doing business, removing that confusion, and a lot of it yeah. becoming digital, where you can commission and configure systems and start them up by swip, swip, swipe and clicking right, right. through your right. app, and right. and that's the that's where I think you and your members want us to go. What yeah. we hear from Voice of Customers, make it easy. We want to be able to do some things ourselves and not have to commission an agent or a, or a you know consulting firm to do that for us if we possibly can. Now, and on um, some of these systems, we're, we're going that direction. That is part of that IoT, that digitization mm-hmm. piece, that ease of doing business. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no in some in some of the systems and uh, solutions, there is no new wiring required. Just using the basic wiring practices that are mm-hmm. already known by by contractors, right? Right. And just training a little bit on the on how to use the app, maybe to configure and, and start up the system. Uh, so that's kind of the thought behind it. But it's really based on it's really based on VOC and voice of customer that comes mm-hmm. from a lot of conversations with uh, with you and your members and the, yeah. the electrical contractor industry in general. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and it, it's 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 such a fascinating world because yeah, we have um, you know feedback and, and communication up channel, down channel, and and that that's I think is a key piece that you that you're talking about is, is that Eaton Corporation has a has a keen ear and is responding to the demands. Um, in market change, the demands and, and um, functionality of, of projects, and you're working to try to make it as, as easily digestible and, and understandable, and, and uh, for the best implementation on the ground that you can. So it's, it's commendable. The, the digitization piece, I'm, I'm curious too. And I mean, looking into the future, I mean, technology is here to stay, obviously, and, and um, yeah. I think we've, we've, uh, in all aspects of our lives, that that we are very comfortable staring at screens for countless hours in the day 
no matter what the content might be that's there. Um, we, with, with, you know, you mentioned, you know, being able to do you know, lighting control systems with the swipe of a thumb. We want to have everything within our control. We're, we're becoming virtual magicians, um, by having yeah. devices everywhere. Well said, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and, and, and that's, that's, that was our dream as children is to be able to then do all these things, right? Um, <laughs> and, and we're living it out. And then the IoT piece, the Internet of Things piece of having all these wired devices, having connectivity, then, there, there's an efficiency piece, you know, that, that's going to help us to be much more efficient rather than generate waste, which is then going to, you know, be good for a number of different things, including then saving dollars that would otherwise be sent, uh, you know, with, with idle transmission or, or um, um, you know, inefficiencies in, of products that, that are, are running uh, at times that they don't need to be running, et cetera. Um, but, but I'm curious, you know, from Eaton's perspective and your perspective, Robert, do, do we know, you know, it's, it's, this this adoption curve has been so steep in the last five to ten years. What does it look like another five years from now? Where how do you help to um, prepare and grow and innovate, um, or or is it is it changing so quickly and so rapidly that a five year window is almost impossible to 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 look into that crystal ball and, and see anything but but uh, check back later uh, <laughs> sign hanging in yeah. there. You know what I mean? Yes, we had a, a magic, uh, uh, you know, a magic, magic eight ball thing. Goal. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. That would be awesome, I think. Right, but, right. But I think we have a lot of indicators, to be honest. Um, you uh -huh. know, obviously we can look backwards to pro to do some projections, but there right. we all know that it only goes that far. Yeah. And um, I think today uh, we we have good indicators of where what the trajectory is of, of yeah. IoT, for example, and what does yeah. that mean for our industry. Yeah. Now, again, there's nuanced differences in how it unfolds at the end of the day, and there's a lot more technology that's, that probably will come out mm -hmm. uh, that we don't even know today of, but mm -hmm. it's going to evolve as mm -hmm. we do other systems and put other systems in place. Um, but I think, again, on looking ahead in the near term, the next few years at least, um, the trend will continue for sure, uh, into this uh, this connectivity of systems, this yeah. this this connected buildings, connected communities, um, you know, hmm. and the ability for the users, whether it's a contractor or a distributor's person or us mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, or a consultant, be, to do that in a way that's that's kind of the same way they do it when they when they operate in a private environment and ordering right. online, right? Right. Um, right. If, if you think about the, it's a Bezos effect, right? Right. Customers, right. The, the customers want to want to be able to interact and transact their business the same way they would go online and order something from Amazon, right? Correct. And, Correct. And um, that trend will continue. So finding a way to translate that into that 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 consumer mentality into a uh, workable platform that mm -hmm. actually you can continue to do the job without sacrificing um, your quality of the way you mm -hmm. do the job and timeliness and disrupting the business yeah. is the challenge. That's the biggest challenge, yeah. right? Because it is still nuanced differences. So Ethan's investing a lot in hmm. that. And we, but we can't do it. It takes a village. We can't do it on our own, right? We have sure. to constantly be connected, uh, which we are, hence the mm -hmm. investment working with IEC very closely and with the industry right. in general. And right. our customers, we need to get that feedback. And um, I think the other thing I would say, what's continue going to drive it, 
is is simply just the change in the workforce, right? So we've got a mm -hmm. lot of baby boomers retiring that used to mm -hmm. do it a certain way, mm -hmm. and we have uh, now in the Gen Xers and the Millennials yeah. are kind of have grown into those leadership roles, and then we've got Gen Gen Ys, I think, coming in, which is my daughter. She's 18. She's about to go to college. Yeah. They'll be they they're used to growing up with you know, since right. with with these kind of devices and they're expecting nothing different. So I right. think that will drive a lot of the behavior and what to invest in down the road in terms of how you transact uh business and technology will follow that, I think. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, yeah, I think yeah, younger people entering the workforce now have, have literally they they've been natives to this technological wave that has yeah. infiltrated our our lives, in which then we have we have uh, similar to yeah, to your story, immigrating to the United States, that we have been technological immigrants into this world and have learned it as a tool. Um, and and it's 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 different, you know, for for younger people coming into it that there's much there's more in, intuition there's more you know like it's not an afterthought it's well no you need to have technology to be able to be integrated to be able to then be more effective so it it'll change you know it'll, it'll change in in our concepts of yeah work output workflow um the demands of of uh you know how projects are done etc it's it's very interesting yep. and yeah yep. yeah so it's it's a fun ride isn't it robert um. <laughs> it's a great ride. I, I mean, again, it's, it's an exciting ride, to be honest. Uh, yeah. I, I know some some people may be scared about the future in terms of all these different platforms and different technologies being thrown at them. But yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what. I mean, I think the key is to you know not be afraid of it and just embrace it and uh, and and do your best to try to understand you know how you can utilize them for yourself and make right. a difference in your day to day activities. If, if it helps right. you. If it helps you be more efficient, it, it it probably is going to help the entirety of the process if you yeah. can invest that time to learn some of the new systems and concepts and based on the digitization that's mm -hmm. going on in the industry right now. So Amen. it's exciting to me. That's mm -hmm. how I look at it. Yeah. Uh, glass is half full, not half empty, right? Exactly, exactly. And, and uh, is it a virtual reality glass or is it really a, a three-dimensional glass yeah. in front of you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yep. Interesting. Interesting. Well, well, Robert, I'm I'm curious. Uh, what do you do for fun in in your off time? Um, do you have any any hobbies, pastimes? Yeah. Anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I think I am just a firm believer in a good work uh, life balance. Absolutely. And, uh, I can say just from experience that uh, uh, Eaton has uh, encouraged and promotes that as well. So it's a really great company to work for. Uh, when it, when uh, especially looking looking at balancing the life out. Um, uh, so for me personally, I how, though how I decompress a lot of times. I, I like to be mm -hmm. active. I like to uh, to bike if I can get outdoor biking. That's my preference. So mountain biking is typically what I do if the weather holds and the trails are dry. And if I'm around, uh, I um, I like to play tennis as well. And um, used to play in, in leagues, but I'm not that good anymore. I'm not moving as fast as I used to. Yeah. And. Uh, and then, of course, with our daughter, uh, since she was young, she's been always in sports and, and played soccer at, at a very high level since she was about 10 years old. Really? Uh, huh. You know, she was early on at five years, and then we started traveling on traveling teams and, and league teams, club uh, sports since she was 10. Uh, so that's been really a big part of our life, just uh, the weekends being busy with 
with her uh, and, and meeting a lot of people and the parents around it, I think that's always been kept us very active. So we we're gonna miss that, and when we're uh, yeah when she goes to college in the fall. So yeah, we'll get this yeah. yeah. Huh. Well, that that's terrific. That's terrific. So yeah, you like to stay active and and uh, continue to stay active. And yeah, it sounds like you passed on those good genes as well of of uh, sports and and um, and 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 work hard, play hard is is uh, yeah. the best balance to have, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, exactly. Good, 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 good. Well, um, how are you feeling about 2019? How are things looking from uh, from this? Yeah, we're we're right now. You and I are talking in, in the first part of February of 2019, so we're just getting going here. But um, you know, from all indications, uh, you think it's going to be a good year, or or do you have any concerns looking at the year ahead? So we 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 eaten in general, and I'll tell you the first thing in my view, but uh, it's very much in line with that. But eaten in general looks at this as uh, 19 still uh, expecting to be a, a good year for us. Um, mm-hmm. However, and I agree with that um, from a construction standpoint. Well, we've got different businesses that we're in, as you know. We we uh, operate in the oil and gas space and in the industrial and OEM space as well. But in general, right. it's an optimistic outlook. Uh, cautiously, although from a construction mm-hmm. standpoint, I look at it, and if I look at some of the indicators like Dodge construction data, and that's just one of them, but there's different mm-hmm. ones we look at. The starts, um, you know, have been strong, but they're peaking in the growth cycle, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And, yep. uh, you know, if you look at some of the latest Dodge construction market forecast reports, they indicate a softening and decline in the commercial construction building mm-hmm. space mm-hmm. over the next two to three years. Mm-hmm. Um, that can always vary and change. There's a lot of other variables that can take a uh, place that may skew that up or down either way, mm-hmm. but that's kind right. of the current, the current view. So, you know, there are a couple of sub-segments in the institutional side, like healthcare and in, uh, higher education that's, that seem to be remaining strong mm-hmm. uh, in that space. But there is a slowdown expected. Uh, your global markets are, are probably going to slow down a little bit as well. Uh, that will have an impact here. And But construction-wise, um, we feel... This year is going to be good, and especially because there's a delay, a lag between when the starts uh, are happening and when the electrical equipment is being installed. And mm-hmm. so, if the, the the starts are you know kind of slowing down later in the, in the second half of the year, uh, we still will get you know the you know probably the the benefit of uh, of the lag for 2019 before we see possibly some uh, some slowdown in 20 and 21. Uh, 2021. So. Yeah. Um, just the nature of it. But again, I think 19, mm-hmm. short-term goods, uh, yep. mid to long-term to be seen because there are a lot yep. of variables there, uh, clearly mm-hmm. indication that maybe a slowdown coming and some global impacts. And again, expectors like the tariffs and other global mm-hmm. uh, challenges that we're facing today that are not resolved yet may have a you know a bigger impact than we expect. So. Yep, yep, yep. That, that makes sense from, from the other indicators that we're seeing from and analyze it IEC, and even it, that echoes a lot of um, what we heard at the uh, from our economists that spoke at the IEC Business Summit in, in yeah. Florida last week. Is is that yeah you know, we're, we're we're it's a bullish outlook uh, on on current year to two years down the road, but um, you know, cautiously optimistic as as we look too far. And because and and it was interesting on the housing starts piece too in that conversation around that, that seeing that. Um, you know, housing starts has typically been a, a strong indicator to to be able to look into that crystal ball, and, and yet we also know that there's been a huge flood 
um, especially as, as uh, younger people then have gotten into um, into the workplace, that this flood of, of moving from rural to urban and urban, urban infrastructure, you know, is, is somewhat finite, except for um, when we spread out into into sprawl areas or, or, or you know, start building more suburbs. Um, and, and that also then, you know, that there's been a huge indicator of this this urban infill, which then has shown us that you know the multifamily units and and you know other other mixed use uh, type of of construction um, that we've seen in, in the last four five six you know plus years um, uh, booming across the country that that yeah maybe yeah where are we starting to reach them the critical mass or or where is it and and um, and the quantification of of housing starts and and um, yeah just knowing that you know people's people's uh, behaviors and, and, and where they're headed too. So we'll, uh, we'll keep a close eye on it. And, um, yeah, I'm happy to, uh, happy to, to be working with you both in IEC, uh, national, um, you're, you're a tremendous partner, Robert and Eaton has been a, a longstanding partner and, and you, uh, you continue to be, um, a great leader, um, within the association and, and then everything philanthropically that we're doing in the foundation, you guys provide, um, several hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment donations um, throughout the years to to our, our IEC training centers across the school or across the, the country, um, helping to put uh, Eaton products and, and all the, the sub-verticals and, and, and other brand products um, from Eaton Corporation into the hands of our 12,000 apprentices that are being trained out there. Um, to ensure they're they're getting uh, up to snuff on on uh, the newest technologies, um, and and um, just can't thank you enough for your continued commitment to partnership to elevate um, the industry as a whole. So thank you, well, we, and, and and thanks to all your colleagues there at, at Eaton Corporation. We appreciate that, Spencer, very much, and uh, and it's a pleasure to work with you because we know it's it's put to good use. It's it's an investment in. Uh, not only our relationship, but it goes beyond that to your point. It's an investment in the industry. If if we can make um, an impact, a positive impact, uh, even a little bit of, on your uh, on what you're trying to accomplish as an association and uh, bring that to your members and the apprentices, that's going to go a long way, I think, for the long term. So we uh, have a vested interest um, to, to do that, and it's beyond that. It's fun to do in it. Either, either way, it's going to be great. It's great. Uh, I've learned a lot just working with you. Over the last probably no almost three years personally just being more yeah. involved, yeah. Um, and uh, I can't tell you how much uh, I've been able to just learn and grow just by uh, working with hmm. the with you and the national team and the foundation and the different chapter directors and, um, and just understanding a little bit the challenges that you face firsthand mm -hmm. and what yeah. you're trying to do legislative wise, educational wise, and mm -hmm. to move the industry forward. And we're yeah. happy to be part of that. Of that awesome. That's awesome. Well, well, you, you, that was a goosebump moment. You just gave me goosebumps there, Robert. So thank you for that. <laughs> thank <laughs> but it, yeah, it's just a podcast, another video. Right, right, right. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it's a true partnership, and and can't thank you enough um, for everything that you do. And and really want to thank you for taking your time today to share your story with us. Um, just tremendously uh, interesting and insightful and, and very inspiring on in, in so many different levels. So, so thank you for your, for everything, Robert. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Spencer. Awesome, awesome. And thanks to all of our listeners out there. This has been another installment of the IEC podcast series, The Electrical Current. You can check us out at ieci.org. 
And if you're interested in career opportunities within electrical and systems industry, jump over to myelectriccareer.com. That's myelectriccareer.com to learn more and start on your path to achieve your dreams.